0: We are blessed to have young people in this church that God is raising up. Uh, I think they're both... Juliet, how old are you? 16? Yes. She just walked out. She's probably here to drink of water. Woo! Glad that's over, right? 16 years old. Yeah, She's 16. I think Gavin's 16. Chachi, I Chachi's like 48. I don't know. Chachi. <laughs> uh, we are blessed, man. We are blessed. And, you know, I got the idea for, uh, from this, uh, this, this new series we're starting today, Talking to the Moon. Because I, she posted something online on, I don't know, something my daughter saw. And I'm like, hey, that'd be a cool series, right? Because we, we kind of feel that way, right? We kind of feel like sometimes when we're talking to God, if we're honest, we can keep it real. Sometimes we feel like it's like this inanimate object, like the moon, right? I mean, let's just, let's just be honest. Let's start the series off on the right foot. How to love an elusive God. The truth is God seems time, sometimes seems elusive, right? Sometimes he feels distant. Sometimes he seems preoccupied. Sometimes he seems noticeably absent. Sometimes he seems late. By show of hands, has God ever seemed to be late in your life? <laughs> Thank you, good, I'm not alone. If we're honest, we would probably acknowledge that God's timing is a bit peculiar, and that's putting it nicely. And in this life, timing is everything. Watch this. I can report to you that after the cameras stopped, that man was eaten alive by those dogs. I'm just messing with you. I'm just kidding. He, he was fine. But uh get to turn that cajon off, but thanks. By the way, this is called a cajon. Just keeping it real, in case you all wonder what that is. The uh Yeah, true. So if, if we're honest, we, we would admit that we probably feel a lot like the guy in the bike, right? Like life's going fine. And all of a sudden we ride into a pack of wild dogs that are nipping at our feet. And so we cry out to God, God help. And the way in which he responds isn't the way in which we would expect. It's almost like he didn't hear the question or he, he, he didn't hear the prayer. He got it wrong. Sometimes he's quiet. We're going to talk about that when God's silent here in a couple of weeks. But what about when God's late? The truth is, it feels like when we cry out to God, that's oftentimes we're, like Juliet saying, we're talking to the moon. This is my son's moon. He said, Dad, I got a moon. You could use this in your message. I said, awesome. So this is my son's moon. Think about that one. But, but let's be honest, like sometimes we feel like we're just crying out and, and no one's listening. And then when God responds, if He responds, it's late. The truth is that God's elusive timing is the, is the training wheels by which God develops us and helps us be successful on this ride of life. Here's your big idea God's timing is God's training. Simple, God's timing is God's training. We're gonna see that in chapter 11 with the story of Lazarus and the resurrection. Lazarus had been dead for four days. Jesus arrives on the scene. Sisters of Lazarus, Mary and Martha, are not very blessed. Why? Because he was absent. He was late in their time of need. They reached out to him and he didn't come. And so Lazarus has been dead for four days. And Mary's about to have a conversation with our Lord. Verse 32. When Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and trouble. Where have you laid him? He asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. Jesus wept. The dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and cloth around his face. Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. Lord, we thank you that you have the power to speak and to raise the dead. And thank God you didn't call out everyone. Thank God you specified Lazarus because if you hadn't, there had been a whole lot of dead people coming to life because you have the power. People respond. The dead responds to your name. I thank you, God, that you would just speak to us. Give us a new truth about your timing. Help us understand your ways a bit more today, in Jesus' name. Amen. amen. Number one, God's timing. If you're taking notes, write this down. God's timing is inconvenient. If you don't know that, you probably haven't been a Christian very long. If you've been a Christian for more than a couple weeks, you know God's timing is incredibly inconvenient. Look at verse 32. Lord, she says, if you had been here, my brother wouldn't have died. Come on, man. Have you ever had a Lord, if you've been there moment? Like, have you had that conversation with God? Lord, if you would have been here, I wouldn't have slipped back into this addiction. Uh, God, if you had been here, my spouse wouldn't have left me. If you'd have been here, so-and-so wouldn't have died of this this disease, right? We've cried out to God, Lord, if you'd been there. Lord, if you have been there, we wouldn't have lost this building. Or, or, or did we lose it? Well, we think it's a loss. Be careful. God said, oh, no, no it's an upgrade. Right? Come on. That's an upgrade. And, and, and so God's timing is inconvenient. Here, and I've got proof. Number one, God is not punctual. This is evidence of, of God's inconvenient timing. God is not punctual. Time is an earthly reality. When you pray, you're praying to the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last. Think about that for a second. We always think of things in terms of beginning and end. Imagine a God who never ceased to exist. Like he wasn't created, like he always has been and always will be. So he doesn't care about time. Time is of no consequence to him. He's eternal. And therefore, he doesn't own a clock. And neither does my wife. If any of you, she's right here today. See, I, can't get, I used to be able to get away with this stuff when she was in the, in the kids' ministry. Now I'm like, I, I pay for this one later. But Gavin, where you at, Gavin? Can I get a witness? I mean, if y'all are going to meet, if you're going to meet for coffee, just show up about five or ten minutes late. I'm, I'm just kidding. I love my wife, okay? So look back in verse 6. He says, he finds out. That uh, Lazarus was sick, right? He hears about it, and this is what he does. He stayed where he was for two more days, and then he said, Disciples, let's go. I, that just seems wrong, doesn't it? I mean, his buddy is, is, is dying, and he's like, No, I'm, gonna, I'm just gonna chill for a bit. You know, I'm gonna hang out, I go to the gym, get a quick workout, and, uh, you know, go down and get some Tokyo Joes. No, he stayed. Which makes no sense. Very inconvenient, by the way, for Lazarus, right? Because that cost him his life. He died. But God's inconvenient, and, and the evidence of that, He's not punctual. And secondly, He's not sequential. We think of, uh, of of things sequentially in this world, right? Order and structure. And you know, like if God were a, a clock, it wouldn't go like this, right? It doesn't go sequentially, clockwise. And if you have the Rolex, you know, it's more of a swooping motion, right? You know what I'm saying? I don't have a Rolex. I got mine on Amazon. But the point is, he's it's not, it's not sequential, right? It's like all over the map. That's how God is. Listen to this quote from, from Pastor Dave Stone. The hands of God's clock align with his sovereignty, not with our longings. We're sequential. We have longings. We think it should work. God's like, no, no, that's not the way it's going to work. Number three, uh, God's not logical. God's timing, it's just not logical. If you're looking for a God that makes sense all the time, sometimes he makes sense, praise God, but a lot of times in our humanity, he doesn't make sense. And he tells us that, right, in Isaiah 55. He says, look, my my ways aren't your ways. And for us to think that we could understand a God who is infinite, a God who is eternal, a God who's created, like, we think we could understand that? Like, that's kind of pompous of us to even think that. Some, Some of you may be waiting, right? You're waiting for God to to uh, enact some sort of judgment, maybe somebody who hurts you, right? And and you're crying out to God, God, it's logical. This, this person, like she hurt me. And so you're going to take care of that, right? Let me explain something about God and his, his judgment. God is, is not in the demolition business. That's Satan. He's the demolisher. God is in the construction business. God builds up, not tears down. So if you're waiting on on God to enact revenge, here's what he's going to do. He's going to build your enemy up. He's going to love your enemy from the inside out. He's going to, God is restorative. He's not punitive. Now that that may not make sense to, to us because maybe someone hurt us, but that's God. God is a loving and gracious God. And thank God we don't, apply our logic. Like, good, good thing he didn't listen to us. Like, think of all those dumb prayers that you prayed and I prayed, right? Like, I prayed some doozies, man. Like, if, if you could hear some of the prayers I said when I was a younger man, you would not go to this church. <laughs> like, it's embarrassing. I'm, I'm just, yeah, really bad, really selfish. Uh, you know, thank God. But I'm not alone because maybe you prayed for someone, you know, oh God, I hope to marry that person Not, didn't turn out to be such a good spouse. Or maybe it was a house, or maybe it was a, a a job that all of a sudden disappeared. Thank God for his logic. Thank God for unanswered prayers. But God's inconvenient timing is a reflection of his purpose, right? When you see the purpose of God, you begin to understand, at least in, in Proportionally, you can understand why he does what he does to some degree. We never have full understanding in these bodies. But it begins to make a little bit more sense. Let me say it this way. Our timing fixes a problem. God's timing fixes a person. God ain't concerned about our problem. Oh, but he's a loving God. Well, yeah, he's a loving God. He cares about what's great, not what's good. He cares about what's deep, not what's shallow. Our problem, come on, man, problems come and go. You're gonna have another this thing that you think is so bad in your life right now, and that I think is so bad. It ain't nothing. God's using whatever that is to develop us. He's using this building. God would happen to say, "Oh man, John, Pastor John, come on. I gotta grow your faith a little. bit. I gotta give you a little footways to get you out the building, because you are starting to get comfortable, you're starting to be like the Israelites. We like it in Egypt. oh, three three square meals a day." They're in slavery. Like, God doesn't care about our problems. Like He loves you, but he's more concerned about developing holy, righteous men and women of God who look a whole lot more like him and a lot less like us. Man, that's what God's up to. And parents, you get this, right? Parents, parents get this. I mean, come on. That's, as parents, that's what we're doing. We're trying to raise up godly children. I'll, I'll never forget my 15th birthday. I had tickets to go see uh, Gravedigger. Monster Truck. In Ohio. I lived in Lima, Ohio. And, and this was in Dayton, Ohio. My Ohio peeps back there. Dayton, Ohio. Man, I was so jazzed. Well, the night before, I smarted off to my mother. I know that's hard for you to believe. But I opened my big trap, and, and I said something stupid to my mom. And she's like, oh, you ain't going tomorrow. I said, Mom, it's my birthday. She said, I don't care. I said, Mom, uh, we're going to go see Gravedigger. She's like, oh, no, you, you dug your grave, Right. And she didn't let me out the room. And you know what happened? My brother took his friend, his buddy, and they went and had a great time watching Greg Digger. You know? Even rolled the thing that night. You know, everyone cheers when they roll. Yeah, it was, it was an awesome night, but I wasn't there. Now, my mom's t- timing was terrible, but it produced maturity in me. Guess who didn't mouth off to his mommy anymore? Uh-huh. I learned my lesson. See, God's timing is inconvenient. Verse 33, when Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Now, why would Jesus be troubled? Well, he he was troubled by a world that he created, ravaged by sin. And sin that, by the way, leads to death. The wages of sin is death. And it broke his heart. Verse 34, he says, where have you laid him? He asked. Come and see, they replied. Yeah, no big deal, right? No, that's a, that's a, that is a big deal. Think about that. A God who's all-knowing, a God who's omniscient, asking, hey, where'd you lay him? He didn't have to ask where they laid him, but, but there's a little gem in there. Jesus never used his divine powers when human powers sufficed. So what do we glean from that? Here's what we glean. We often cry out to God for every little thing. God, my wife's asking me to do the dishes. God, you got to show up. Help me, Lord. Right? Like, no. Most of the stuff that we do in life and the the things that we need to accomplish through the path of obedience, most of those God is giving us internally. He's given us the strength. He told Gideon, go in the strength. Not that I'm going to give you. He said, go in the strength you have, Gideon. Am I not calling you? Right? So we need to go on the strength. We need to do the next right thing. And quite often, that doesn't take this big prayer to God. God's already equipped us to do it. Save the big ask for when we really need to ask him for something. Verse 35, Jesus wept. Then the Jews said how he loved him. It's the shortest verse in the Bible. And perhaps one of the most meaningful verses in the Bible. Jesus wept. Oh, but God's mean, God's sick, God's diabolical, God's cruel. We're going to talk about cruelty next week, how how God seems cruel. Well, you know what? Why would he weep? Why would he weep if he knew in his foreknowledge that he's going to raise Lazarus out of the dead? Like, why cry? Why, Why bother cry? Because remember, he's fully God, fully human. Never did he ever cease being God. He just took on humanity, right? And in his humanity... He saw his friend, and it just broke his heart. God's timing is motivated by God's love. I, I, I know sometimes we don't understand it. I know sometimes we're going through stuff, and we're like, God, where are you at in all this? And it hurts, and, and just know that God is weeping, right? God is weeping because he loves us so much. He cares about us so much, and that's evidence why he would cry for his friend. Verse 36, and the Jews said, see how he loved him? But some of them said, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? Stay tuned. Point number two, God's timing unearths. God's timing unearths. I love this. This is when it really gets good. Verse 38, Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across it. And so Jesus says, take away the stone. What's? What's Martha's response? What's your response? What's your response? Nah, probably much like our response, right? Uh, No, no, you don't want to go in there, like, you know, right? You guys have seen Dumb and Dumber, you know what I'm talking about. You do not want to go in there. You'll get that in a second. But that's kind of like our response, right? Like, you know, God's, God's, God's about to unearth something. He's about to do something great. And, and what do we do? Uh, no, God, no, no, don't. don't. You, like, I got to figure it out. We do that all the time. We need to learn to recognize the scent of God. Think about that for a second. Learn to recognize the scent of God. Anybody got a pet? Anybody have a pet? You know what I'm talking about. Little Cooper, my dog. This guy... I don't care where he's at in the house. If if, if bacon is being cooked, he will magically show up right there. And I know you're not supposed to give your dog bacon, you know what I mean? But you know what? We love our dogs, so we give our dog bacon. (laughs) But if we could have that kind of scent that that, that pets have for for God. You know, there's a recognizable scent to the work of God. And, and, And you elderly folks, the, the more mature you are in Christ, the more you've walked with God, the more sense that makes you. Some of you young people may not get that. But, you know, some old people, they have bad ears, but they got a good olfactory system, right? Like their sniffer is really good. And, and they've seen God, like the songs we sang, Do It Again. Oh, I've seen this movie before, right? And you're like, God's doing something. Like, I don't know what he's doing, and I don't know how he's doing but God is up to something. because I Oh, I smell like bacon. Right? Martha was concerned with the wrong scent. She was concerned with the the very, you know, expected scent of of death. And God's like, oh, no, 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 no. I'm I'm bringing this to life. There's not going to be the scent that you, but she tried to halt. She tried to stop the work of God. And you know what made me think this week? So often, you know what we do? We try to Febreze the work of God. It's true. Make fun of me all you want, my little Febreze can. We do it, right? We do it. I didn't get that job promotion. God must not love me anymore. Or God could be developing, I don't know, showing you that he's the provider, right? Boy, God taught me that lesson. I used to think that like, the place I worked was my provider, until I didn't have a place to work anymore. And he said, John, I've been your provider all along. Whew, and I was Febreze the work of God. You say, oh, well, my sickness hasn't been healed. God hasn't taken it away. He must not care about me. Actually, it smells kind of good. Like <laughs> a lie. Not bacon. Mm. But if he was cooking bacon, would we recognize it? Or would we Febreze it? That's my point is, you know, he hasn't healed my sickness. Well, maybe he's trying to teach you perseverance or teach us trust or teach us how to exercise the faith that is, is so wimpy. I mean, come on, man. I, I, I've, I've taught on stage about God's faith, and yet my faith was so wimpy before we started this journey. And I'm sure it's still wimpy compared to what it needs to be, but it's a whole lot bigger since we actually started to trust God and started, started stepping out on faith. And then you got the right answer guy, right, who's going through tr- trial. And he's always got to have the right answer and, and, and try to explain the work of God, that which he doesn't understand. Instead of saying, I don't know, he's like, well, it's got to be this and got to be that. And I clearly, and it's like, you know what, man, listen, there, there is a part of our faith that we won't get. I mean, God does some stuff that, man, I'm just going to tell you, I don't get, I don't understand. I'm going to have to wait to heaven. And it would be like this great aha moment where I'm like, that's why you allowed that to happen. Oh, God. You were at work. I see it, right? But we can't see that now. We don't get, that. We don't get the whole story. It's why it's called faith. But what we, do, what we don't want to do is we don't want to febreze the work of God. God's trying to unearth something. God's trying to do something great, and we're trying to block him. That's exactly what was happening with this story. Why did Jesus wait four days? Why did he wait four days? Well, one reason... Is that Jesus had raised, raised two other people from the dead in Scripture. Uh, the widow's son in Luke 8 and Jairus' daughter in Luke I'm sorry, the widow's son in Luke seven and uh, Jairus's daughter in Luke 8. Both resurrections were immediate. Which is a problem for the haters. the Christian haters, the religious people, right? That was a problem because, in Jewish culture, you would have had to been dead for three days to be considered fully dead. They have a grieving process they go through. And so those other two resurrections wouldn't have been considered legitimate by the religious people. And so this one, he's like, okay, I'm going to slow play this. I'm going to stall this one in part to legitimize the resurrection. He wanted this unearthing to be official. And here's what he was doing. He was the rock was cooking up some bacon, and, and Mary and Martha couldn't smell what the Rock was cooking. <laughs> Come on, hit that video for me. Hit that Go video. Milk, what the Rock is cooking? Ha <laughs> <laughs> ha! <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. Took me a while, but we got there. Next time you're going through something, and some of you are going through something right now, that's your new line. And somebody reminded me, I think it was georgia reminded me, that, hey, what about that? <whistles> and the Holy Spirit speaking to you? If you, were, if you just started going to church the last few weeks, you might have to listen to that message. But we got some stuff that kind of is personal to our family around here. Right? When God's at work, <whistles> that's a whole, you have to go back and watch the video. But the, but the latest one, when, when you're going through trouble, you, you say, Can you smell what the rock is cooking? Turn to your neighbor and ask him, can you smell what the rock is? Come on. Yes. Some of the new people are here for the first time like, y'all a bunch of freaks. Never coming back. But you know what? I want that to be planted in your soul. Because quite often, the rock, Jesus Christ, the real rock, is up to something and we can't smell it. And he's like, oh, man, if you just would... if you could just comprehend the scent of what I'm doing to see that I'm unearthing something great in your life and you're going to be better for having gone through it. But you have to learn to smell it. God's timing unearths. And lastly, God's timing connects. God's timing connects. Jesus says in verse 42, he said, I knew that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here that they may believe That you sent me. Very simple point, guys. The story of Lazarus' resurrection wasn't about raising a person from the dead. The story of Lazarus' resurrection was about raising a city from the dead. And so too it is with us at the gathering. We don't exist for just each other right? Like we don't exist. There is a greater purpose. There's a greater story being written here. God is calling us to revive a sleepy city. And I know it's crazy. He calls, I mean, like you think he's always going to call, everyone always thinks God's going to call someone else. Like no one thinks they're qualified and we're not, but God chooses who he chooses. And he is calling the gathering church to help wake up a sleepy city. But first we have to wake up ourselves, right? First, we have to come out of the grave. First, we have to step out in the grave clothes and say, oh, this is what it really means to live. We have to revitalize our own walk with Christ. We have to find that with him first. But when we do, we realize, oh, my goodness, the story, our story is connected to a greater story, as was Lazarus. Anybody co-sign on a loan? Yeah, Yeah, no one one likes to co-sign. Has anybody co-signed on a loan before? Come on, someone. What were you thinking? (laughs) Uh, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Never do that. Okay. Says our banker. Yes. That's right. Never do that. But here's the thing. And I agree. I agree with you. Never do that in the reality of the world. But when it comes to our faith, we're supposed to co-sign. I know it sounds crazy, but God wants us to be co-signers. You see, Jesus had to co-sign on Mary and Martha. Why? Because their credit, also known as their faith and their hope and their trust, they were a little shy. Their score wasn't very good on their their credit score, their faith score. And so he says, you know what? I'm I'm going to co-sign on you. And that's what we're supposed to do as sons and daughters of God. We're supposed to be co-signers for other people who are going through stuff, realizing, you know what? This story ain't just about me. Like, I I don't get God's timing. I don't get why God's doing it. Well, could it be that God's allowing this to be slow played? Like in the story of Lazarus. He's slowing things down a bit. Why? Maybe because he wants you to be a part of somebody else's story. He wants you to to reach someone else in a way that brings him glory. You see, we always think about our own walk. We always think about our own plight, our own troubles. But could it be that God is trying to connect us to somebody else's story? George Mueller, no relation to Robert Mueller, uh, he ran an orphanage in Bristol, England during the 1800s. And one day, the orphanage was so low on food they literally began to gather things of value to try to sell so that they could feed the young orphans. Well, it was about that time that they experienced a knock on the door from a woman that had been traveling for four days. She arrived at the orphanage with the funds that the orphanage needed. God's perfect timing was was lived out by a woman who lived far away. Now, the, the interesting thing is you think, well, he could have fixed that himself, right? I mean, the feeding the 5,000. Five loaves, two fish, we're done. Easy, right? But he used a woman from afar who had been marching towards them for four days. Mueller noted, he said, he and his co-workers had been praying for four days for something that God had already answered. You know, some of you, and maybe myself today, maybe we're praying for something that God's already answered. Maybe that answer to the prayer is literally marching toward us. I mean, I remember last week when we'd found out, or two weeks ago, when we found out that God closed the door in this building. We began to pray, and for days, for several days, we had no answer. But God knew. God knew. He said, "Oh, Jesus, they're praying. I love. Don't you love how they pray? That's awesome. I love those guys." We're going we to we're gonna, we're gonna let them open even a bigger gift. It's kind of cool. But let's listen to them pray for a bit, right? That bit is hard for us, right? That seems like forever. But God's got it covered, just like he had the orphanage, uh, their needs covered. I wonder who's praying today for something that God's already answered. It's funny. Backstage, right before we came out, we have our devotion with the worship team. And uh, Larissa shared a very uh, heart-moving devotion, and she shared how, you know, God had promised her something years ago, that God would uh, restore the years, right? And, And she's like, man, I've been waiting. She's in tears. Just, God, I've been waiting for you to fulfill that promise, right? And it hasn't happened yet. I thought by now these walls would fall, right? I mean, like, Come on, God, like you said, you're going to do this, and I'm still waiting. You seem like you're late. So Art, where you at, Art? Big Art, he's like, he didn't even know this, but he, he co-signed. He's like, you know what? Hey, I just got to tell you. And he shared his own story about what was going on in his life, and all of a sudden gave her a little bit of hope. He loaned her a little bit of faith, loaned her a little bit of hope, loaned her a little bit of, uh, of uh, trust in God, Right? Because sometimes our accounts get low, whether you're the pastor of the church or or whether you're the, you know, the the security guard person who keeps bad people out. I don't know what your title is. We're not big on titles around here. We're not big on titles. We're big on Jesus. But like whatever you do, whatever you're going through, like sometimes God's connecting someone to you. And sometimes he's connecting you to them. That's what God does. And so what we need to do, guys, we need to change our prayers. I want to encourage you and myself as well. Let's change the way we pray. What do I mean? Let's stop trying to change God's mind. Right? When we do that, because we know better. Let's stop trying to change God's mind. And let's simply align our hearts with God's timing. Soren Kierkegaard said this, the function of prayer is not to influence God, but rather to change the nature of the one who prays also known as God's timing, is God's training, right? When we pray, it's really about changing our heart. We're not going to change God's. God knows what's best for us. He has our best interest at heart. We simply need to align ourselves with his will. We need to change. God wants to change our nature to make us more like him. God's using his peculiar timing in our lives to answer, maybe to be the answer to somebody else's prayer. God's timing connects. In the, uh, in the movie Draft Day, who's seen Draft Day? All you sports, you call yourselves a sports fan, you haven't seen Draft Day? You ought to be flogged. <laughs> so in 2014, they made the movie Draft Day. Sonny Weaver, played by Kevin Costner, is the general manager of Cleveland Browns. <laughs> <laughs> I love the Cleveland Browns, but I, I gave up hope for a while. I'm this guy. I got to keep it real. But they, but they are looking good. They're looking better this year, the last year, hopefully. So he's preparing for the big draft day, right? And then he has this conversation in his office with his, his girlfriend, Allie Parker, played by Jennifer Gardner, and where he recalls one of the greatest football moments. Watch this. Remember the 89 Super Bowl? 49ers, Bengals. Niners down by three, three twenty left in the game. Ninety-three yard winning drive. Taylor beats the weak safety for a ten yard TD. Yeah, but before the drive, Joe Montana's in the huddle, right? And unbelievably, somehow spots the actor John Candy in the stands. He points at him and asks the guys in the huddle, "Hey, isn't that isn't that John Candy?" Couldn't believe the ball's on him. To be that calm in that game at that moment. His guys instantly relax. They march, um... 93 yards. 93 yards. Montana throws a little slant to Taylor. 49ers win the Super Bowl. Great game. It was a great game. No one can stop a ticking clock, but the great ones, the great ones always find a way to slow it down. So slow it down, Sonny. You can't stop a ticking clock, but the great ones always find a way to slow it down. There's something in there for us today. I believe that's what God's trying to point out. As his timing becomes our training, essentially what he's saying is we gotta slow down, right? Very rarely will God speed things up, although at times he can. But for most of us, we get ahead of God's timing, and so God has to pull us back. And say, slow down. And like uh, Joe Montana recognizing John Candy up in the stands, we as Christ followers are to look up and to see Jesus in the midst of our game-ending drive, in midst of our battle. Right? We got to see Him that He hasn't abandoned us. He hasn't neglected us. He's not at the concession stand getting a hot dog. He's not out tailgating, although he probably did before the game because he's cool like that. He doesn't abandon the people he loves. Like He's always been there. And he hurts when we hurt. He wept for Lazarus and he weeps when we go through things because he knows it's hard. He knows it hurts us. But like a, a parent in a child, there's a greater good. It produces something that could not have occurred had we not endured that challenge that he set before us. God's saying, slow it down. Slow it down today. Because he's trying to unearth something. Amen. He's trying to unearth something, right? He's trying to do something. He's trying to, to bring something up from the surface. Don't febreze it. Don't quench the spirit. Don't, don't say to God, I've got a better way. You take your hands off the wheel and say, God, you're in control. You're driving. I, I, hear, I hear people say, oh, he's my, Jesus is my co-pilot. I ain't your co-pilot. You're his co-pilot. he's in control. And we need to take our little grimy hands off the wheel and say, God, this is your deal. I can't fix this. I can't do this. And I don't even understand it. There's an irreconcilable tension that that, that I can't figure out. But you know what? You can. And someday, when I stand before you or I kneel before you, like, I'll know. I'll understand. I'll be present. And it'll all make sense. But until that day, we keep on keeping on. Because God is doing something good. And learn to smell. Learn to recognize the scent of God. Learn to smell what the rock is cooking because he is cooking something. And trust me, the older you get, the more you'll be able to sense that. And know that God is connecting us to each other into a city that he literally wants to raise from the dead why wouldn't it be us why wouldn't he call us oh because we're not perfect no it's it's exactly because we know we're not perfect and because we know we can't do it that's why he calls us because he can trust us because he says oh they they understand we don't have it all figured out but we do have something figured out that we can't do this without jesus people ain't showing up to hear some guy preach they're not showing up for the, they're showing up to experience God, a God that can change, a God that can speak. And Lazarus re- comes out the grave. Like that's power, man. Like that's the God we serve. That's the God we worship. And he wants to do that if we'll slow it down and trust him and say, you know what? I'm going to exercise the faith that has been up under this grave and down underneath the grave and God's resurrecting dead faith. God's resurrecting sleepy faith, and he's trusting a bunch of jokers like us to wake up a city. Why not? Why not?